Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. There is a growing trend in America and in many other places around the globe right now, one that, if left alone, it will be destructive to just about everything in our various cultures. The cultures themselves, productivity, ease of life, advancement of science, just about everything. But before we jump into that, let's take care of a few things. Theana Money is part of Cruciform Ministries and their Fill the Earth Network. The day after this drops, December 11th, 2021, there is an online conference that is sponsored by Theana Money that you should check out. It is on the family. It is called Reconstructing the Family. The price is a donation of any amount to Cruciform Ministries, including free, including a donation of $0. And it will be streamed on Eventbrite, where you can sign up for it. Just go to one of Cruciform's social media pages to find the link. And if you miss it, they should all be posted on YouTube for you to watch later. Some of these speakers are George Grant, C.R. Cali, Brandon Scalf, and Darren Stid. Lastly, if you like this episode, please like it and subscribe to Theana Money on your favorite podcast catcher, and turn on auto-download so that you don't miss future episodes of the podcast. So back to the episode today. We are looking at the growing trend, anti-work. Someone was telling me recently that there is a subreddit by that name that is the fastest growing subreddit right now. So I went over to r slash anti-work to check out some of the stuff there. And let me tell you, it is horrible. It's kind of hard for me to even know where to begin in this episode responding to all of this and explaining why from a biblical standpoint it is wrong. So I tried to map out in my head a bit of a structure to it. And hopefully it doesn't feel like I'm hopping around from point to point too much while you listen to this. You can go to that subreddit and check it out if you want to get a feel for it yourselves. The general feel of it is a bunch of people who are in favor of socialism because they are too lazy to work and or are mad that rich people have more money than them because that is unfair for some reason. It's actually really frustrating and I tried to limit my time on that subreddit in preparation for this episode because it would have made me become too frustrated otherwise. I didn't want to spend too much of my time in preparation for this episode practicing self-counsel for anger. <laughs> a few minutes of scrolling through posts on it was all I needed to know what I need to know to record this episode. Also, I just generally am not a big fan of Reddit. So seeing this as apparently one of the, if not the fastest growing subreddits, just did more to cement that opinion in my mind. And I'm sorry if you like Reddit, I just don't, but to each his own. 
I do occasionally jump on for a subreddit about Pokemon or manga or sometimes anime. But that's rare and that also just let you know how much of a nerd I am. So let's tackle this concept of anti-work. This isn't just an issue with a subreddit, but it is an issue across our entire culture and the cultures of other nations around the world right now. So I will be responding somewhat to specific things in the subreddit, but also to this aspect of our culture in general. So this has a much wider application than just the people in one particular group in one social media platform. And even if that were not the case, it still has a wider application because if this movement catches on, like I said at the beginning, it will be destructive and that would impact just about everyone. So let's start with what I view as the most important aspect of this episode first. Rather than acting like a news show host that tells you about that but makes you wait until the end to hear it so you keep listening to the whole thing. So, these people are against working, but they still want to get things. Let me explain what I mean by that. These people don't want to work. This anti-work movement is full of people who do not want to work, either at all or only a little bit, but they still want to receive things. They still want a nice place to live. They still want heat in the winter and AC in the summer. They still want food. They still want TV or books or other things for recreation. They still want smartphones and computers. They still want cars. You get the picture. I don't have to keep going with that list and boring you. They want these things, but they don't want to work to get the money to pay for them. What is it called when you want to receive something from someone without paying that person for it? Either in money or time or some other good or service? And we're not talking about generosity here, so not that. Besides that person willingly giving it to you out of the goodness of their heart, when it's you telling them that they should give that to you, what is that called? That's called slavery. These people either want to not work at all or work only a few hours, but still have all of their bills covered. That means they want other people to work for them. That way they don't have to work themselves. They still want a house or apartment, but they don't want to work the necessary hours to get an income to pay for that house or apartment. They still want running water and electricity and an internet connection, but they don't want to work the necessary hours to get an income to pay for those utilities. And funny enough, as I'm recording this episode, I currently don't have water because I'm on a well water and am for the second time this year fixing something with my water system for my well. But that's besides the point, and y'all probably don't care about my personal life. Hopefully not too long after this episode drops, I will have everything fixed and running water to my house again. On the bright side, I'm learning a lot how wells work and how to fix various things with wells. So that's cool. Like I said a moment ago, they want goods and services, but they don't want to work themselves. So they want others to work to provide those goods and services to them for free. That is slavery. They want other people to be their slaves so they don't have to work to provide for themselves. In fact, what they want is worse than slavery. Slavery in American history, for all the things wrong with it, and as a theonomist, I think that while things like indentured servitude are a good thing, kidnapping and enslaving the person you kidnap should receive capital punishment 
because that is what the Bible teaches in Exodus 21.16. But for all of the issues with American slavery, the masters still had to purchase or inherit their slaves and provide for their food and shelter. And contrary to today's narratives, many of these masters were very kind to their slaves and treated them very well. But today's anti-work culture doesn't want that. They think their slaves are greedy for wanting to receive things like food and shelter and compensation for their work. They don't want to pay their slaves. They don't want to pay for their slaves. They don't want to provide food and shelter and clothing to their slaves. They want the goods and services that their slaves provide completely for free. Now, they don't explicitly say that, of course, but if they are being honest, that is what they mean. If you say that you don't want to work, but you still want to have goods and services, whether ones necessary for survival or ones that make life more convenient or enjoyable, you are saying that someone else should have to work to provide that for you at no cost to yourself, which is the same as saying that person is your slave. Except that, like I said, in American slavery, you still had to provide for your slaves. And since these people want to get their things completely for free, that means they don't even want to provide enough payment to the person to cover his necessary expenses to survive. They want completely free slaves. And not free slaves like setting the slaves free. Free slaves like the slave has to figure out his own way to survive and do all the work you tell him to do. Now, someone in that camp listening to me is probably really upset with me by now. We aren't saying we want things for free, they say. We most definitely aren't saying that other people should be our slaves, they say. But I asked them in response. You are saying that you don't want to work, or you want to work very few hours. But you are saying that you still want necessities to live and nice things in life beyond those necessities. So by saying that, you are saying that you want to not have money, but you still want to receive things that cost money, which means you must be given those things for free. And being given something for free by someone without their consent, in other words, by force, means you are enslaving them. And now they probably respond, we aren't going to force them to provide those things for us. It's only if they want to. Okay, so in other words, you are saying that other people should, out of the goodness and kindness of their heart, work hard enough to provide for themselves and their families, and then after that, work hard enough to provide for you and your family, not because you're injured or sick and can't work, not because you're doing some sort of Christian ministry endeavor that doesn't earn much of an income and they want to support you in that, but because you think you are entitled to not have to work. Because you are too lazy to work. Because you think the system is against you and therefore you shouldn't have to work at all. That's what it is. And if they're like, no, no, you were wrong about us not wanting to have money. We just want to not work and still get money. Okay, so you want the government to steal money from others to give it to you. Or you want the government to print new money and give you the new money they print, which when more money is getting circulated throughout an economic system and goods and services aren't being increased in correspondence to that increase in money, that's how uh, we get inflation because now there are more dollar bills out there to cover the same amount of goods and services. 
Now that we have seen what they think in general and how they more or less think others should be their slaves so they don't have to work as hard, let's look at how they view time off and the 40-hour work week. One of the memes I saw when I scrolled through the subreddit was explaining an easy week for a boomer versus a millennial. The boomer's easy week was a trip to the Bahamas. The millennial's easy week was only working 40 hours that week. This is apparently wrong. I guess because it's not fair, question mark? It's somehow not fair that older people who have spent their time and money wisely in the past are able to do things with their money that a young person can't. Because fairness and equality or something like that. What they either don't realize or want to ignore, in the sake of equity, is that the boomer they so much want to hate has been working 40 plus hour weeks since before the millennial in the meme was born. So now he can't afford to take a week off work and take a cruise or fly somewhere nice. He's likely retired or has worked at that company long enough to have a lot of paid time off or he owns his own business or something like that so it's easier for him to get time off than it is for most new people in the workforce to get time off. He also has money saved up over years and years so he can afford to take some of that to take his wife somewhere nice for their 50th wedding anniversary or whatever the occasion is even if it's no occasion at all just wanting a nice trip with his wife and with their kids if they still have kids we're talking about boomers here so maybe with the grandkids <laughs> or just the two of them whatever it is it's not wrong when he was in his 20s he was likely in the same place as the millennial in the graphic is working 40 or more hours a week only to come home and help his wife take care of their child which is getting harder for her since she is getting late into her pregnancy with their second child except the millennial in the meme is probably unmarried and doesn't have kids if we're going to go off statistics for most people in their 20s today, 20s and 30s. So the boomer, when he was that age, actually had it a lot harder. Also, this meme assumes that the 40-hour work week is this terrible and oppressive thing. Actually, pretty much everything in the subreddit seemed to assume that. You know who didn't have a 40-hour work week, but a much longer one than that? Pretty much everyone in world history. You know who still works much more than 40 hours a week just to make ends meet? Billions of people in other countries around the world. You know who also works way more than 40 hours each week? The CEOs and other high-income earners that this subreddit loves to complain and be mad that they make so much money. That isn't to mention the people who can make ends meet with 40 hours each week, but work side hustles to provide a bit more for their families to have an extra cushion if something breaks or they lose their primary job or to be able to afford some nicer things than what the family has been living with. So the assumption that it is wrong that many boomers do not have to work as many hours as millennials is an immoral assumption of equality of outcome as well as ignoring how there are different stages of life that typically involve different levels of income. Thomas Sowell has done a lot pointing that out and pointing out complaints people have that are actually just because they're trying to ignore that different stages of life typically have different incomes. Just 
pull up a chart of average income of teenagers versus average income of people in their 20s versus average income of people in their 30s and then 40s and you will see that each one of those categories raises quite a bit from the one before it. Now let's look at a couple last things from that group before we compare this anti-work culture to something Rush Dooney said, but not in a way you'd expect me to go with it. Okay, now I am being like a news anchor trying to get you to stay tuned until the good part. I saw a post that was complaining about prices of rent going up. It said something along the lines of how inflation should have made rent go up from about $400 a month several decades ago to about $800 a month now. But instead, that person pays $1,600 a month for rent. That is somehow the fault of the rich, I guess? Not the government for zoning laws and other things that make property prices artificially go up? Just look at California versus Indiana or Michigan. I grew up around Detroit. You can, uh, Everyone thinks that everywhere around Detroit is like some kind of war zone and it's all just ghetto and Flint, Michigan with bad water. There are a lot of suburbs of Detroit that are pretty nice neighborhoods with pretty cheap property prices. Like, that's kind of what you see when the government doesn't get nearly as involved as they do in places like Orange County or LA, Cal LA County, California. When the government gets involved in real estate, prices go up. Then people blame the rich for this and ask the government to save them. Now that's some kind of twisted Stockholm Syndrome right there. Asking your abuser to save you from the people who could actually help you? In this instance, the government is the abuser causing prices to go up, and the companies that are willing to build homes in the free market, which could drive the cost of homes lower due to higher supply and more competition among sellers, they're blamed for the higher prices and people go to the government who caused the problems to begin with to fix the issue. Also, why was there no issue with inflation making this apartment that would cost around $400 a month several decades ago to all things being consistent if it was equal with inflation cost $800 a month now? That was just taken as a given and perfectly fine thing. The issue wasn't that all things being equal, inflation should have made this house cost twice as much in dollars each month which means that the purchasing power of each dollar had been cut in half. No, the problem was that it cost more than just what inflation should have led it to cost, and only that. Why do we accept inflation? Why don't we question the government in general and the Fed in particular about why inflation is that bad? Why don't we ask questions about how inflation was never really that much of an issue in this country before the Fed was put into place about a century ago? No, we aren't going to do that. Instead, we're going to just complain about the high cost of rent and things like zoning laws or price ceilings or price floors that probably helped cause that. We're just going to ignore those and just blame the rich for the high cost of rent and then ask the government to fix it for us. Okay, last thing specifically from the subreddit. Then we go to Rush Dooney. The tagline of the subreddit is this. Anti-work. Unemployment for all, not just the rich, exclamation point, because, you know, people are so into dictation with their cell phones these days, we've got to spell out our punctuation. 
The issue with that is that the rich are rich because they have worked either so hard or so intelligently and probably both to get where they are. They took risks and worked long hours. That owner of a big business that those people are so mad about his high income worked hard and risked to get there. A lot of those types of guys do stuff like take out a loan or a second mortgage on their house or the inheritance that they got when a family member died and they risk it all in a business venture that could easily fail. And many of them do. Most of them do if you look at the statistics. Then that person probably worked like a hundred hours a week for years on end to make the company the multi-million dollar business it is today. And even though he started the company and is the CEO, if he makes too many wrong decisions in a row or gets too lazy, the board might fire him and find a new CEO. And who wants to hire a CEO who was fired because he messed up with his previous company? Then he becomes pretty unhirable, at least at anything near his previous income level. A lot has been on the line and is still on the line for these guys. Most of them still work long hours. Most of them have neglected their families to a degree I would probably consider sinful to get where they are. That's why so many big CEOs get divorced. Now, do some of these company owners pay other people to do all the work for them and sit back and receive an income off of it? Sure. That's called passive income. And it should be every man's goal to get some sort of passive income if he can. That way he has multiple streams of revenue to be anti-fragile and better provide for his family. And passive income is almost never passive at the start. It typically takes a lot of money and work to get there. So if someone has achieved their entire livelihood as passive income, more power to them. I just hope they find something productive to throw their energy into because God has made men to work and if we don't, that is a quick and easy way to become depressed. And now sure, there are trust fund kids, but they usually don't stay rich long unless they do stuff with their money. If they blow it, they will probably either get cut off by their rich family or blow through it all rather quickly and then have to get a job like everyone else. If a trust fund kid wants to invest his money or risk it in a business venture, then Hopefully it goes well for him. And if he is super rich one day, we shouldn't be mad at him. He used the money he was given wisely. Just because he had a little bit more at the start than we did doesn't mean he's an immoral person. It means that his parents, like the tagline of this show, left an inheritance to their children's children. Alright, so the last thing we are going to look at in this episode is the thing from Rush Dooney that I mentioned before. Am I going into a section from one of his books where he talks about work ethics or providing for your family or the failures of socialism or something like that? No. Now, I'm not opposed to diving into what Rush Dooney has to say about all of those things. And those topics are very connected to the topic of this episode. And I'll probably dive into what Rush Dooney has to say about those things in episodes in the future. But right now, I actually want to jump into something that Rush Dooney has said about rest and relate that to this anti-work culture, both in that subreddit and in the cultures of various nations around the globe. Let me first get into two seemingly unrelated things and then bring them all back together to the topic of this episode. 
remember a bit ago when I was talking about the various groups that work more than 40 hours a week, which is most people in the world for all of world history? One group who was a part of that were those who built the railroads in America. Rush Dooney talks about these men in his lecture titled Sabbath and Law around the 14-minute mark if you listen to his Institutes of Biblical Law lectures on your podcast catcher. These men had corrupt employers who made them work 12 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. No paid time off, not even so much as one or two days for a weekend. 7 times 12 is 84. And I know math is racist now because it is Eurocentric or something like that, but last I checked, 84 is more than double the 40 hours so many of these people are complaining about. So that was the first thing, and here's the second thing. These people complaining about all this nonsense and this anti-work cultural trend are not getting proper rest. Now, I probably caught you off guard. You're wondering how they aren't getting proper rest. All they seem to want to do is rest and be lazy and rest all the time. Well, we are going to tie these two things together, and you will see what I mean. These people work and want to work less. But even if they work less, they will not get proper rest. Rest is internal first and then external. Not external first or external only. Rush Dooney, in the lecture, talked about though those railroad builders worked over 80 hours a week, 52 weeks a year, and I used to work at a church camp where I probably worked similar if not greater hours, so I can understand how they feel, and that was only for a couple months each summer I worked at that camp. So they were doing this for months and years on end. I can't imagine how their bodies could hold up because, man, mine was barely holding up after a couple months of that at that summer camp I worked at. So even though they worked those crazy hours, they knew how to rest. Or at least the Christian ones did. This is how their bodies held up. They knew how to rest. They knew that rest started internally first and foremost by resting in God, by casting all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us, by resting in the finished work of Christ on the cross, and then from that inward rest, outward rest follows. Catching up on sleep after several hard days or weeks doesn't help you feel very refreshed if you are anxious or stressed out, but if you are content, no matter what difficult situation you are in, because you rest in God internally first, and then you rest your body externally, then your rest will be much more refreshing. Stuff like this is why I have loved Rush Dooney's lectures on the Sabbath so much. There is a devotional quality to them that I rarely see except for sermons like almost anything by Paul Washer or Ten Shekels and a Shirt by Paris Reedhead, or sermons like that. It convicts me to make sure I am resting in God first, and then physically resting as an outflow from that. It makes me rethink how I view the Sabbath, and if I am actually honoring God with it like I thought I was. Now connect this to the anti-work culture. They don't rest in God, and therefore they have no internal rest. They want external rest. 
may seem to want their entire lives 24-7 to be external rest, while others work to provide for them. But that rest will never be refreshing because you can't start with the outward and work your way inward. True, refreshing rest has to begin inward with a heart that rests in God and then works its way outward. Their rest also can't be true rest because God has made us to work. Men are to work to provide for their families. The Christian man who won't do that is worse than an unbeliever because even they do that. Physical rest after laboring in good endeavors is much more refreshing than sleeping after a day spent watching YouTube or Netflix. So what does this anti-work cultural movement need? They need the gospel. They need to repent of their sin, which probably includes laziness, and place their faith in the propitiation of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection three days later. Then they will have peace with God. Then they will have internal rest, and that internal rest will grow as they grow in progressive sanctification. They will begin to work for their families in God-honoring labor. Then the physical labor of work that is pleasing to God and the internal rest of a heart freed from its sin and sealed by the Holy Spirit will lead to the physical rest they desire so much, but desire in wrong ways and for wrong reasons. That was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace. Satisfies me Your law is sweet Oh you